Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us for worship today. Today, uh, Dr. Joe Webb will be preaching for us this morning, and we very much look forward to him being here today. Um, So we welcome you to the pulpit this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. Keith is away this morning. We are very glad that you are here with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church today. We are glad that you are here for worship. Um, at this time, Kenny is going to come and share with us um, some information about ways that we can help uh, with the uh, victims of the hurricane. And so I will stop talking so that Kenny has that opportunity. Good morning. Um, if you guys are anything like me, then you spent the better part of last week following the news and following the weather channel to see what in the world this storm was doing as it came towards us. And you probably spent last Saturday and Sunday a a little inconvenienced because it had rained a little bit and maybe you had to pick up some sticks and leaves in your yard. And really, it seemed like we were very fortunate. And I have to agree, we're very, very fortunate that the storm that came through was not as bad as what they said it was going to be. I cannot say the same for the folks that live in the eastern part of our state. For those of you who don't know me, I am from New Bern, North Carolina. That is about an hour's drive to Atlantic Beach or 30 minutes, depending on who's driving. And so I was getting texts and and phone calls from my mother about every 12 hours and Um, I don't know if he's here today, but I have to stop for just a second and say thank you, Jason Hamrick. Um, About 10.30 Wednesday night as the hurricane was making landfall, my mom called me freaking out because she had nowhere for her horse to go and wanted to know if, if I had a place. Well, that also meant she had to drive it six hours across the state. And within 30 minutes, Jason Hamrick said, yeah, you can bring it to my house. So I just... I want to say thank you, Jason Hamrick, um, even if he may or may not be here today. Um, so as, we, as the storm got closer, I told my mom and my dad both, like, look, you guys have a safe place. You can, you can come out here. And, and both of them said, no, we're, we're going to ride this thing out. We're going to see what happens. Well, I turned on CNN, and, and maybe some of you also turned on the Weather Channel, and what you probably saw was a town that was flooding, that was underwater. And for some of us, it was more of a, well, that's a distant place, it's not really affecting me. Well, it it personally affected me. Because when I turned on CNN and saw all these national newscasts, they were reporting from places that my friends and I hung out in high school. I had friends who lived just yards from the river who had water up to their windowsills and a tugboat in their front yard. I have friends whose parents have lost everything and my dad, who's in the process of moving, had his entire storage unit flooded. He had to throw away bedroom furniture, chairs, blankets, towels, I mean, you name it. My mom is a lot more fortunate. She lives on a hill, but the river at least came up to her third doorstep. And when the, when the water went back out, there was about 10 foot less ground than there was when it started. And so I say, we have an opportunity. 
to give to those who really truly need it, um, a lot of people had to forcefully leave their house because the water was coming in so fast. And thank goodness for people like the Cajun Navy who went in and helped them to get out. And for a lot of those folks who needed to leave, they, they didn't leave before because they didn't have the money to go. Unfortunately, evacuation for a lot of people is, it, it cost a lot of money. They didn't have anywhere else to go. So those people who already had nothing now don't even have a, a house to live in. So I thought about it, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm six hours away from home. I, I, don't, I don't know how I can help. I can't get out there and lift trees. The water's coming in, so I couldn't drive. I don't have the time to take off work. What can I do? Well, I teach just down the road at Chase Middle School. I teach band and chorus. And I thought, you know what? I've got an opportunity. I can, I can do a donation drive. I can do a donation drive and, and I'll make it run for as long as I can that, that still you know, makes sense. And I'll just, I'll call my dad. So I talked to my dad and he agreed that he would come up and, and get the items. And instead of it going to an organization um, where you never really see what happens to those items, we know exactly who needs it. These items can go straight to the people who have nothing, who need towels, who need sheets, who need hygiene products, baby diapers, wipes. I mean, you name it, they, they've lost school supplies. My, the middle school that I went to had water standing in the library until Wednesday. And it's in the center of the school. So you can imagine that nobody Nobody was spared. It didn't matter skin color, economic status. It didn't matter where you lived. This storm took no mercy. And if you guys are so led as I have been to try to help them out, please help me out. I'm taking up donations from now for the next week. Um, as soon as my dad is able to get up here to take them off, uh, they're going to get it to the people who need it. My uncle owns a restaurant right in the center of town and they're gonna set up shop and say, come get it. And if you guys want the photo proof, I'll be glad to show you that your items are going to exactly to the people who need it. Uh, I'm not saying that, that the big organizations are not great. Um, in fact, I, I fully encourage you if, you, if the only thing you can do is provide uh, financially, please give to those organizations. Samaritan's Purse is set up and doing great work down there. But if you want to give the tangible items that people no longer have and, and some can't afford to replace, then I'll gladly take those. Those are going down to people who absolutely need it. Again, I'm taking up items for the next week. Um, my band and course are the ones sponsoring this and we're hoping to send a whole um, trailer down with as much stuff as we can get. We're looking for baby items, uh, sheets, towels, hygiene, cleaning supplies. The mold is running rapid down there now. Um, and any kind of school supplies because kids have lost everything too. So I want to thank you for your time and please, if you have any questions, see me after church. Thank you. And good morning. Um, today is our deacon election. As you came in today, I hope you got a ballot. If you are a church member and you did not get a ballot as you came in, please raise your hand and they'll bring you one. We have a few down here, Randy. Tommy, there's some here and here. Um, 
as a deacon board, um, we have five deacons going off this year and there'll be five new ones coming on. Today, please vote for five. Please only vote for five. If you put six or seven, that eliminates your ballot. Please just vote for five, okay? Um, we will also have to make a decision um, in the next week or so Um, excuse me. We'll have to be replacing Ted Daves on our uh, deacon board as well, and that will go back to the last election. Um, we will miss Ted and, and Roseanne and uh, all the work they do in our church, and um, so we'll have to make that decision in the next week, but that'll actually go back to the last election, not to, this, not to today's. Um, <clears throat> wanted to reiterate, um, there's something in your bulletin about a training that's going to take place in two weeks at the Shelby Mission Camp, October the 6th. It's for training on how to install, finish sheetrock and to install walls and flooring. And so if you're interested in that, the church is going to pay the $10 fee for that for you. If you're interested, please let Keith know and he's going to sign us up. What a great time to learn those skills because hopefully in the next year or so we'll be going and doing some things or maybe some of you would be willing to go and do some things in the eastern part of the state and in South Carolina and North Carolina because they're both so, um, so much affected by the flooding. And that's one of the things that they'll be doing. I mean, water comes three or four feet up in your house, then they have to rip out the sheetrock, the insulation, replace it and redo the flooring and all. So this would be great training if you have that opportunity. It's from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon and um, lunch is provided. <clears throat> so hopefully you'll take advantage of that. Does everybody have uh, a ballot now that needs one? I'll give you just a few minutes uh, to, to vote and then if you will, um, put the ballots toward the end of the pews, inside please, and the um, ushers can pick those up and then um, we'll let you know by the end of the service during the church conference um, who the elected deacons are for next year, for the next four years. Um, I just wanted to give you this announcement. Uh, Keith went with Anna and Ben McDaniel to the funeral home and I, we just received word that the funeral will be Friday at 5 p.m. in the sanctuary. Uh, receiving of friends will be in the LEC from two to five. So everything is on Friday from two to five, receiving of friends, funeral at five o'clock. Good morning. Um, I'm filling in for Mariah Case during the call to worship today, so please join me. May the God of all grace and compassion be present among us as we worship this day. Seeking God's healing love in our lives. Lifting our songs of praise and thanksgiving. God, be with us in our worship. Let us 
Lest we believe that in closing our eyes to pray, we can close our eyes to a world in need. Our hymn of praise is hymn number 405, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. 405, please stand and join me in singing if you're able. the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Hey Jude, you got a friend? Hey Liza. Can y'all come a little bit closer over here so you can help me today? We got to be real close today. Cause you see what Stella's got in her basket? What is that? 
But what's in it? Blocks. Oh, yeah, okay. What kind of blocks, James? Building blocks. Building blocks. All right, I want each one of you to take one. Can you take one? Give one to Jude and give one to Georgia. Georgia, you want one? Okay, you pick one out. Okay. You want to the bottom of the basket. Okay, let me shake it up a little bit there. Can you get it? Oh, all right, put one, there you go. All right. I want to read a scripture to you this morning from Luke 11, verse 1. And it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Well, you know, we've talked about prayer before. Prayer's sort of like talking to your best friend. Well, each of us has a Lego today and we've all got different sizes and colors. And I want you to think about this Lego as you. This is you. Is that you? And you're green like John Deere and Stella's got green, Eliza's got blue. All right, I want you to look at the bumps on your Lego. Some of us have lots of bumps, some of us just have a few. But I want you to think about your friends when you look at the top of the Lego. Can you do that? Can you think about your friends at school and your friends at daycare? We can, can't we? I can think about my friends at work. So we're thinking about the bumps. Now, think about the color. We've all got different colors, green and orange and blue and purple. Well, I want you to think about what makes you so special to God. Everybody's special, but maybe just there's one special thing that God likes just about James and just about Jude. I know, I bet he thinks it's really special when they go help their pop do things in the afternoon because that makes it easier for them and for him. Then I want you to think about the shape. They're all squares, aren't they? Or rectangles. I want you to think about somebody who might be sad today or lonely or sick. Hey, um, um, Ted and Rosanna. Yes, they did, didn't they? We're going to get to them in just a minute. Okay, now I want you to put your Legos on top of mine. Can you come here and help me build something? Okay, we're gonna build, you want me, okay, there we go, gonna put that one on top. Then we're gonna put that one on top of that. There we go, all right, Georgia, we need one more. Okay, and we'll go right there, got it, James? All right, you wanna hold this, James? All right, okay, James is holding our tower. That's our church, Jude. That's our church. We've put all our prayers together and we've built our church. So what I want us to do now is close our eyes, put our hands together like we do so we know we're going to pray and let's say a quiet prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the little whispers today about the friends, about our family, what makes us special. We pray for those who are lonely and those who are sad. We thank you, Lord, for these children and that they can learn step by step their faith 
and how they can just talk to you, Lord, and you will answer how you take care of them, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep their families safe. And keep the tower that we build strong. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, so that's why we're here. We've had the opportunity to meet with patients that probably wouldn't normally go to the doctor. And they've been able to get their blood pressure checked, cholesterol, diabetes screening. And then we can follow up with them and kind of review things they can do to improve um, their health. Everything that I have comes from the Lord. I need to be able to give back, and this is one very, very small way that I'm able to give back, not only to God, but to my community and those around me. But we're going to take a picture down here just to make sure that was not happening. I want to just say thank you for giving of your money to go towards these buses so that we may help many, many people who otherwise would suffer pain or disfigurement from the dental care that they cannot afford to see. Through your generous giving, a second dental unit will soon be in operation, allowing Baptists on Mission to offer care for more individuals across our state. Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering help provide relief for the moment and hope for the future. The Medical Dental Bus is an ongoing ministry of the North Carolina Baptist Men, highlighted in the video that you just saw. I would like to also take a moment to expand on what Kenny shared with us this morning, and I certainly want to encourage you to participate in that collection of items for the folks down in Newburn. Another very important ministry funded by your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering will help those who have faced devastation of a hurricane. This time her name was Florence. North Carolina Baptist Men and Baptists on Mission are set up with 10 large mobile feeding stations across Eastern North Carolina. Recovery operations are also underway, assisted by teams from Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Alabama, Florida, and Mississippi. There are other states that are also preparing to send help for this long-term response. Please pray for the people that are affected by Florence and for those ministering in this situation. Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering are the major source of financial support for these efforts. Prayerfully consider your response. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy, for sharing with us this morning. We come with excitement. Uh, there are two roses placed in our sanctuary this morning. Uh, these roses are placed, one is in honor of Savannah Ruth Toms, born September 7th to Frank and Laura Toms. The grandparents are Bill and Julie Daves and great-grandmother Teresa Huggins. The second rose in our sanctuary this morning uh, is in honor of James David Webb, born on September 13th to Justin and Stephanie Webb, and proud big brother is Luke. And so we want to rejoice with these families and continue to pray for these families as well. 
we have a few prayer concerns this morning. Uh, Betty Bridges is currently in the hospital in Charlotte. She has a PET scan scheduled for Monday, and so we want to be in prayer for Betty that they may find answers um, and that they may be able to care for her well. Also, the family of Reed Murray. Reed passed away uh, early on this week, and the funeral was yesterday, and so we want to continue to be in prayer for Irene and their whole family in this time. Also, as many of you are aware of, um, our church experienced a tragedy this week. Um, Two of our beloved members, Ted and Roseanne Daves, uh, very suddenly uh, passed away this week. We want to certainly be in prayer for Ben and Anna, for Cara and Doug and Bella and their whole family. Um, We also want to be in prayer for our church. This is a shock. Uh, This is something that caught us by surprise. And so we find strength in God. And we want to continue to be in prayer for their family and for our church as well. Would you join me as we pray together this morning? Our God, we come to you today with heavy hearts. Many come today with grief, with sadness. And Lord, we pray that your heavenly peace would be, pre- would be present in the midst of our congregation. Lord, we pray for the family of Reed Murray. We pray for Irene. We pray for their family. We pray that you give them strength. We pray that you give them peace and comfort in this time of loss. Lord, we offer our most sincere prayer for the family of Ted and Roseanne Daves. There's a peace that no person or gift or word or action from the world can give. But there is a peace that you give, God, that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, we pray that that peace would be present in the lives of their family. We pray also for our congregation. We pray for those who are hurting. And we pray for healed hearts. We pray also that we as a church would know the most appropriate, the most loving, and the best ways to disciple, to love, and to support the family of Ted and Roseanne. Help us as your people to show them that love in this time where they most need it. Lord, there are others in our congregation this morning who are hurting for a variety of reasons, and we trust those concerns and those issues in your hands. We trust in your plan, we trust in your goodness, and we trust in your love. And we pray that for those who are here today. Lord, be with Dr. Webb as he preaches this morning. We pray that his message would be, would be made clear, that we would be able to be in tune with your voice and with your presence through worship this morning. And finally, God, amidst grief, amidst sadness, 
We rejoice. We rejoice because today is a new day with new opportunities, new excitement. And we rejoice because of two additions to our church family. We pray for the Tom's family and the Webb family that you would wrap them in your love and support in this very exciting time. Lord, as we worship together the rest of this morning, may everything we sing, everything we say, and everything we do be to lift up your name. We are grateful for who you are, God, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 387, God Who Made Us, Christ Who Calls Us. 387. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. join me in prayer. God, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for this community, the body of Christ present in this place. You are a good, good God, and let us not forget all that you abundantly give to us. God, as we continue to worship, may our hearts be tuned to you and how you would have us give of our time, our talents, and our finances. We love you, we praise you, and may all we say and do be glorifying and honoring to you. Amen.
That was beautiful. Thank you. Keith is about the Lord's work today. He was hoping that he might have a relaxing weekend with the family that he badly needs. But I wrote him a note last night and said, unpredictability is what the ministry is, Keith. And we've seen it this week in extraordinary ways. Shocking events that have affected us all and will, will be with us for a long time yet to come. It's a pleasure to stand here and uh, to be with you this morning and invited to be part of the service. As part of my teaching career, I've spent more than 50 years behind one of these pulpits. And uh, so uh, it's been a little while, but it's nice to be back. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. And, uh, and you look pretty good. Choir, thank you. That was gorgeous. Keith asked if I would continue the theme of prayer today that he has been uh, speaking to us about for some time, the last few weeks. So I'm going to do that. And um, I, I, I want to talk with you. I, I, it, it, it's, a, it's a little jarring. We just heard a beautiful rendition of what is usually called the Lord's Prayer. You recognized that, didn't you? The Lord's Prayer. And I want to speak to you for a few moments today about what I have come to call the real Lord's Prayer. Now, that's the jarring part. Um, the interesting thing is that, that when you study uh, the Lord's Prayer, you realize that it's not a prayer that Jesus prayed. Do you know what I mean by that? Because if you read in Luke's account of it, Luke starts it out by saying, what did the disciples do? They listened to Jesus pray and said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, okay, say these words. And I suspect they learned them. And that became not the Lord's Prayer, that became the disciples' prayer. Because I suspect that uh, when Jesus prayed, he never once ever prayed those words. I would love to have, um, and, and that takes nothing away from this beautiful disciples' prayer we've heard sung this morning. You know the words like I do, and this is a magnificent rendition that the choir has sung for us this morning. I suspect that there's enough clues in the New Testament for us to say that Jesus prayed often and long. That probably every day he took time away from the disciples to go far enough to be just outside of earshot of them. And I don't think Jesus prayed silently. I think every time he prayed, he was talking loud to God. I'm not sure why I think that, I can't prove it. But I think that he spoke aloud. At least we know that in the one prayer that we have that he did pray, 
He was speaking aloud. We know it because we have a version of it in our New Testament, and that's the one that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about this extraordinary prayer. I suspect that all his life, I think Jesus prayed at age 12, and I think he was probably very sophisticated about his praying when he was at the temple at age 12. You remember that story. I suspect that he prayed when he went to be baptized by John. I suspect he prayed days before that and days after. I know that after he was baptized and went out into that desert by himself, that he prayed for a lot of things he had never prayed for before, including keep the wild animals away. I think the disciples were used to hearing Jesus over there somewhere praying, talking to God, talking to his Father, praying for who, who knows what or who knows how much. But Jesus, I think, prayed almost continuously. Now, the remarkable thing about saying that is that in all of the writings of the New Testament, the four Gospels in particular, we have only one full, what, 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 what seems to be a, a, probably a summary, because you can read it fairly quickly, but it's a long passage. And the entire passage is Jesus praying. Uh, he is off by himself. Does it, uh, do you know where it's found? If I ask you to turn in the New Testament, where are you going to turn? Say it, somebody say it. It's going to be in John's Gospel, chapter 17. And his prayer is the entire chapter. It starts out at, uh, and Jesus said, uh, and, and, and now it, the, the prayer is at the end of Jesus' life. The, the arrest and the trial are just minutes away from the end of Jesus' prayer in John 17. He has, in the chapters before, it's obvious that Jesus has realized that he is about to leave the earth. We're only a short time away from the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and Jesus is gone. His three years are over. You know how fast three years can go by and they've gone by for Jesus. And I think at the end of his life, he realizes there's a ton of things I haven't gotten to say to him. So in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus teaches like mad. He gave one lecture after another. I suspect they might have taken a little lunch break here and there, but Jesus taught and taught and taught. And when he was through, we are told at the beginning of chapter 17, you must read it this afternoon. We're not going to read it in its entirety right now. But it's one of those places where the writers are not going to tell us what Jesus said. Those are the good, those, the good parts are when Jesus gives us the words himself and in his prayer we are told what Jesus said in his prayer. 
It's a remarkable 17th chapter. And I want to share a couple of things from chapter 17 with you. Things that have been relatively new to me. Things that have come in a, in a, in a, in a relatively short time to mean a tremendous amount to me because I had never seen them before. We don't study Jesus' prayer. We know that Jesus prayed and it's probably worth reading and every now and then we may take a glance, but we don't study his prayer. If we wanna know how to pray, you would think we would pay attention to his prayer. Now, two or three, four times in the Gospels, there's a little line. Uh, when, he, when he came to the tomb of Lazarus, his dear friend, and um, the question was, uh, what's, what's he gonna do now? Lazarus has been dead for almost a week. And it does say that Jesus, before he did anything, stood at the front of the tomb and he prayed. He called on God, God be here with me now. And that's all we're told. We're told he prayed. So we do know two or three places where he did, but nothing like chapter 17 of John's gospel. Uh, if you should look it up, uh, it starts out something like this. After Jesus had spoken those words, and that was all the teaching in the three chapters before, he looked up to heaven and began, Father, the hour has come. What hour? The end. Jesus is at the point of looking back over all of his 33 or so years. I think at, at this point, he, he relives some of those experiences that he's had and that go all the way back to his childhood with his uncle Joseph of Arimathea, the one who took him on the boat rides to England and back. I think he's remembering his dear cousin John, who was, whose life was snuffed from him very young. I think he's remembering his cousins who became his disciples and how he put his little band together and how faithful they had been to him. I think he remembers all of that. And then he says, the hour has finally come. And the hour he's talking about is, it's over. I have finally come to the end. The time that I have been allotted is, has now drawn to a close. Uh, it's a remarkable thing. And then he begins to pray. The, the, the prayer itself, you will go home and read it this afternoon, won't you? Uh, we'll check next week. <laughs> Keith will do that for me. Uh, read it, read it, read it. We don't have time to read it in its entirety. I'm gonna read a little bit for you. But, um, but it, it, it falls apart. Uh, the, the, the writer, I think, has kind of uh, condensed it. It's the Reader's Digest stuff. Condensed it so that it's in three pieces. The first five verses of chapter 17, Jesus prays for himself, which teaches me that it's, there's nothing wrong with praying for ourselves. Jesus knows, God, it is time for me to come home and I feel like I've got one foot on the earth and my other foot is already where you are and I'm getting ready to come back. Now, make sure that everything's ready for me when I get there. Jesus prays for himself. 
He thanks God for what he has been through. And then from verse 6 to about verse 19, who does he pray for next? Well, the, the interesting thing is that Jesus is frightened. Um, now, now, now uh, he's not frightened for himself. He is, in fact, frightened for whom? Those poor guys I just left back there in the garden. Those disciples. And he is explicitly prays for the disciples. He knows they are in for the roughest time that they have seen in their lives. He prays, God, I am leaving and I am frightened that the disciples will lose their way, that they're not, they're not grounded well enough. They don't know enough. They can't do this yet. And I know that if you don't help them, they won't be able to make it. And he prays for, he pleads with God for them. I have taken care of them. They've stayed right here behind me and with me and gone everywhere I've gone. He says that in his prayer. And sure enough, Jesus has done that. By dint of his personality, if I had been there, I wouldn't, I'd have stayed right there by his side wherever he took me. And they did too. But now Jesus says, I'm going away. And God, I'm afraid they're going to get away. I'm afraid when I leave, they're going to take off. They're going to say, I knew it wouldn't last. I knew he wouldn't make it through. And I'm, and, and I'm afraid they're going to fall apart. Go back to what they were doing. Was that a legitimate fear? A absolutely. Absolutely. So what Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, God, I have gotten them this far. Please don't let them get away. I need them to become the people that I've tried to prepare them to be. And he says that very explicitly in chapter 17. You must guard them now, God, because my time with them is over. I've done my best, I've taught them, I've kept them close, I've, I've shown them your face. But now, God, if they stay, it's because you do your thing now. And he prays that. But my friends, I'm, I'm not telling you this because of the disciples. I'm telling you this because of what is found in cha John chapter 17, beginning with verse 20. 20. Now, remember that one when you read the chapter. Verse 20. Because he takes a break. The writer takes a break. I want to read. I'm, I'm going to read verse 20 to you. And, and a little more. Let me read a little more than that. I ask not only on behalf of these, and who are these? The disciples. Yeah, the disciples. I, I ask not only because of these, which he's been asking all along in the, in the verses right before this. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who shall believe in me after them through their word. Did you get that? Now the question is, who did he start praying for? We got the disciples, we prayed for them, and now we're going to 
Go to number three. And my friends, listen to it, listen to it. I ask not only on behalf of these, but on behalf of those who will follow after them and believe in me through their word. You know what he just said? Jesus just looked way beyond the disciples, down the corridor, if we can describe it like that, of history, and he is now praying for all of those who will become followers of Christ as a result of what Jesus and the disciples have done. Now, I, 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 I want to put this rather crassly because what is here following is that as Jesus prayed, who's Je- who is Jesus praying for? He's praying. Jesus is praying. Not the preacher. Uh, not not a good uh, guest. Um, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about, uh, I, I don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> sorry. He is, he is praying for us. He is saying, you realize he just described us who are Christians today? Down history. He says, now, God, I am praying for all of those who shall become my followers as a result of the work of these apostles and what I have done and what they will give us. You follow me? I have to tell you, I I have thought about that all week long, and it's all I can do to deal with this. I had never seen that before. Jesus, on the, while he was still alive, said this prayer for us and all of those who through history have become his followers and bless your heart in today, in this particular little part of the world, that's you and me. And I'm trying to digest in my own mind the idea that um, 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 this is hard for me to digest. Jesus prayed for me. Not in a general way, but in a, in a, I, 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 something in me wants to use the word frighteningly, but I, 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 think, I don't think that's the right word but in a staggering way, he prays for me. And you, he's prayed for us in this prayer. So what does he pray? Well, that's the next few verses here. And what he does is pray for he he, he prays that, that you and Is it me or I? You and me. I'm not going to get this right. Either way, I do it. (laughs) He prays for you 
and 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 um, he prays that we will continue to show people around us, and you can read this for yourself. I'll give you my version of it. You read it and find your version of it. He prays that we will be like him and his disciples were and show everybody around us what God is like. He prays that you and I will be, we will be his emissaries to show people around us that Christ is like this. We usually don't think anybody's watching. Oh, when people are around, I'm pretty good. Jesus prayed that we would be the ones who would be faithful. And faithful to him, faithful in the sense that he's talking about it, he uses interesting language. He prays that we all who are his followers will be one, O-N-E. Now, you don't have to read too far in these little verses here in chapter 17 to see that language. I pray that they all will be one. Now, he's not talking that would like, he doesn't mean will we all be just alike with each other. If we can get all those other churches to be like us, then we'll be after doing this prayer. No, that's not what he's talking about. Jesus seems to have plenty of room for diversity. But what he prays for is that we will learn to love each other even in our differences. And the one he talks about is that we will be brothers and sisters regardless of our color, our nationality, our gender, our whatever things you wish to add to that list. That we would be one. You who are this color will be in love with those people who are of that color and whose eyes look like this or that and whose ways of living and eating and the culture that they live in is not the same as ours. And Jesus prays that we and them will be one in Christ Jesus, in God. We are all, regardless of those things, creations of God made in God's image. The image of God has nothing to do with color or origin or ethnic background, anything of the sort. If we have the capacity to love God, we are those children of God wherever we are. And Jesus prays that we will love one another and be one as Jesus, as he, as he puts it, as God and Jesus are one. He says, as you, Father, and I are one, may they all be one as well. It is not a prayer that the churches will all become one super church. It's not that. I'm not sure Jesus is all that interested in that. He is interested in how you and I live our lives. Will we live our lives so that people who see us will see the image of Jesus in our love, in our kindness, in our generosity, in all of these kinds of ways that Jesus has given us the example to live. We're asked today to be generous. We are, we are well-to-do people. 
We don't consider ourselves rich people, but you do not have to far away to find people who would gladly consider us rich. And we are asked to be part of their lives. That's what this is about. Do people who see us, even in our private moments, do people see the face of Jesus by how we behave, how we act, how we think, how we treat people we like, how we treat people we don't like? My friends, Jesus prayed for us. I think he knew our names. Oh, I just made that up. I think he knew our names when he prayed. I, I think he knows our names today. Jesus realized that night of the prayer, if the disciples dropped the ball, what would happen? Ed, it wouldn't have worked, would it? I think he also realized that if the disciples don't drop the ball, and they did not, but at any point along the line of history, guess what could happen? People drop the ball. And a lot do. So when Jesus prayed, I don't mind telling you, my effort to come to grips with this in these last couple weeks has had a real effect on, oh, I shouldn't be that personal, should I? Um, but it's had a real effect on my life. And I find myself saying, when something goes, doesn't go my way, remember Jesus prayed for you, pal. Don't let him down. Don't let him down. And we can. We can. I've thought back this week. You try this. I, I, uh, I, 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 I'm one of the um, older young people in the room. Um, and, and I go back to my growing up years to a little town in Illinois, little German town, 400 people I think was on the sign. A little town called Emden, that's as German as you get. Emden, Illinois. My dad was the preacher at the Christian church in that little town. That's where I kind of, what, nine to 13? That was how old I was during those few years we were there. Those are formative years. And my friends, the thing I've thought about this week is that uh, I was around during those few years in that little town. I was around a group of people, country people, farming people, who, who I can vividly see looking back 
I was not a little kid. I was, I was starting to become really aware of the world. You remember 12, 13, 14. And I realized that I was around some of the most godly folks. I was lucky. I was lucky. Herb and Nelda Rogers, a, f a farming couple, greatest, I can look back and say I never knew Christians as great as those two folks were. They were, they were kind to a fault, generous to a fault. We were two preacher's kids in the parsonage next door to the church, and they, they made sure we had Christmas presents when it was hard to do. He let me ride on his Ford tractor when I shouldn't have been able to. John and Manny Smallwood, she was the organist at the church. Brother and sister, who together had a farm in which they milked 50 cows twice a day. They were Christian in every fabric of their being. They were the face of Christ to me. It took a while for me to understand that, but I can see it clearly. And boy, it made a, it made a, a tremendous impression. John Smallwood, uh, Maney would be at the organ after they had come to church at nine o'clock, been up since 3.30 milking their 40 cows. And John Smallwood would do what these guys did except for communion service and they'd sit right there on the front row and for reasons I don't understand, uh, they sat there through the whole service. And no sooner did my dad get up to preach than John Smallwood, who had been up since 3.30, to, 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 his head would drift back like this and he'd be sound asleep. And one day my going out the church door, somebody said to my dad, don't you get tired of that guy sleeping through all your sermons? That guy, that my dad said to him, that guy milked 40 cows before he came and when you do that, you can sleep through church too. <laughs> Jesus prayed for people like that. I can tell you, they're here too, sitting right here among us. Those who show the world the face of God, just like Jesus prayed. Now, what I want you to realize, okay? We like to talk about, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, and that's good, that's good. Uh, I would turn probably and remind you, Jesus prays for me too, thank you very much, but don't you stop. I am convinced Jesus could see you and me just like he still does and prayed for us, prayed for us. He expects us to pray too. But right now, I'm, I'm having enough fun with the fact that I hope he prayed for you too because he prayed for me and I can feel it. And I have, okay, it's taken me to get old to really, okay. I didn't answer Jesus' prayer so well for parts of midlife. 
I got some splaining to do when I get there. And I don't mind telling you, it's been the last 10 years that I have come to terms with a lot of things. Age will do that to you. But I have to tell you, I came here into this church about nine or 10 years ago, and this church has been a factor in that life for me. I want you to develop an awareness, an awareness that Jesus knows who you are, is watching you much more closely than you wish you were being watched, and praying for you. It's nice that other people pray for you. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But I did not know until I came to terms with John chapter 17 that Jesus himself prayed for me in that garden that night. He prayed that I would be faithful and that I would be the kind of person that would do my best to show the spirit of Jesus to the people I meet this week. Pray with me. Thank you, God, for your son. For the years, the short years that he spent on earth, showing us your face, dear God, and, and, and calling us to take on the face of God for the people around us. Thank you for that. Help us to remember, to somehow fix it in our minds that each day that we live, that Jesus prayed for us, that we would be faithful, that we would be the kind of people whose lives would show God himself as Jesus expressed it. Thank you for our moments to worship. Bless us as we cope with a week that will continue to have ups and downs. But wrap us, we pray, in the spirit of Christ, who prayed that we would be his images in this cruel world. In the name of that Christ, who has prayed for us, we offer our prayer. Amen. We sing a hymn. We sing a hymn together. Our hymn is number 384, Speak to My Heart. If um, you would like to make a decision, a profession of faith, or join our congregation, this is the time to do it. We struggle to be the people that God has called us to be, but we continue to work together to do that. So if you would like to join us on that journey, we invite you to come forward. Number 384.
to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and brother, children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen.